It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Made it to episode number 112, I think that's where we're at, James, or 113. Maybe it's 113. Uh, but, it's uh, 113, I think. I yeah, think 113. Right. We are doing this uh, live currently uh, through the Mixler.com app, and you can join us uh, kind of every time we do this. It's a fine Friday morning, 10 a.m. We're just getting uh, fired up here. So, uh, James Seltzer, what's happening, buddy? How are you feeling? What's up, Johnny? I'm psyched to be live. We've never gone live. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, we do do live. <laughs> oh, so. oh, yeah. No, we have done okay. that. Okay. All right. Well, still fun. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, of course, if you're just tuning in uh, on the replay or anytime, James and I are always going to be on 97.5 The Fanatic on Sunday mornings uh, with a ton of guests uh, all lined up. Of course, we always BLG is uh, what leads us off. Jim McCormick doing fantasy advice. And then we're going to we're going to have a, a couple of special guests making NFL picks and we're going to do our own NFL picks during this episode as well. But we I mean, it's Dallas week and we are trying to get fired up for that. But James, I got to tell you, man, there are there's still some baggage carrying over from this week, from the Atlanta Falcons game, from everything else. Uh, some odd narratives that I find strange. Um, and starting with this whole I mean, like if I, I am at it is at peak level of Bradford not finding the open guy or Bradford not going downfield. <laughs> like, it is at peak annoyance for me uh, with this thing. And I don't exactly know what you wanted him to do or the Eagles to do or run the ball more. I mean, the, the it's all encapsulating here. I mean, to me, I, I just – you look at the guard situation, that's something to be concerned about. Byron Maxwell getting absolutely roasted by Julio Jones, that's something you need to be worried about. Kiko Alonso looking rusty, eh, you know, maybe, but I I don't know. I, I just feel like there's, like every week one, there is a ton of overreaction here. Uh, does any of that kind of have credence? I mean, like, what what other than running the ball into a brick wall was, was going to help win the Eagles win that football game? More time. Yeah, more time. Honestly, you know, there's that, a fifth quarter. <laughs> yeah, if there was a fifth quarter, I think they win, you know, relatively easily. Uh, you know, it was just, it was one of those games, John. I mean, they just came out. 
not ready to play. What else are you supposed to say? They they lost the game in the first half. You know, I cl- clearly dominated the second half. And I agree with you. The narrative of you know the, the throwing the ball too much it was working. Okay, I mean, I get yeah. it. I wanted them to run too. We all came into this season, especially off that preseason, saying. You know, Murray, Matthews, Sproles is going to be awesome. We're going to run the crap out of the ball. We're going to just run over people and be tough and physical. And we didn't see that. And I think a lot of people were kind of thrown off guard by that. But but like you said, man, they, they were moving the ball consistently. Why stop it? And, and we'll get into it. But that, you know, my biggest issue, I'll tell you, I think you hit it on the head. The guards in the first half especially were atrocious. I mean, that was a, that was a bad half of football for those guys. That was guys. awful. Really bad, uh, and obviously better in the second half. But they were pass blocking, kind of a different scheme. They were getting rid of the ball quickly, running to the edges. You know, focusing on using Johnson and Peters on those edges, and really kind of playing to their strengths there. So, you know that that's definitely a worry. Uh, uh, secondary, clearly a worry, and I don't think they're that bad. I think it was a rough night. I think uh, you know Julio's a top three, four receiver in the game. That's going to happen, um, but. You know, it, it just looks sloppy to me in the secondary. The technique, the the coverage, it just didn't look well coached. And well, even the co- even some big... of the calls, and I'm I'm noticing yeah. like Jeff Mc, Jeff McLean, and there's a couple other people that are pointed out like they're just uh, they're in a base defense in with two wide receiver sets, and they're just leaving these soft zones open for people to like cover. It's like we we were told through this whole thing that's why Nolan Carroll and Byron Maxwell were here is to be press corners. Guess right. what? They didn't really do that, and even when they were, uh, you know, Maxwell showed his showed his pants. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, r- real quick, I just wanted to because you kind of let in with the Bradford thing, um, you know, and obviously we talked about the the throwing too much on stuff, but but just in terms of the rust people, and I know people have said it, and we we've kind of talked about it, this guy has not played football in two years in an NFL game. Okay, I mean that. It takes time. This guy wasn't just going to come out in the first half and, and just light the world on fire. That's insane to think that. Do, do, would you have hoped the team looked better in that first half? Absolutely. And that's a lot on coaching. I blame Chip Kelly. And, and you know, he got outcoached by Dan Quinn uh, significantly in that first half. Oh, yeah. And if you look at the game as a whole, he got outcoached. Dan Quinn had his guys ready to play. Uh, and, and Chip didn't. So, um, you know, that's a worry. But in terms of the Bradford stuff, let's not overreact to, to this guy's first game back. After two years of not playing, especially the first time he's really testing out that ACL in, in live full speed action. Well, yeah, and it, it's just I think uh, and, and it made a lot of people feel better this week. I don't know if everybody caught it when uh, Colin Cowherd uh, was speaking nationally. He had this long drawn out story about he was in Las Vegas and this new news guy that came in there that just wasn't getting any type of help, but still kind of managed to make it through and that's was like his metaphor or analogy for Sam Bradford coming back and really the entire Eagles a team in the first to that second half of like wow uh you know not many teams are able to do that a guy that hasn't played two for two years of football you know kind of turned it around and I think he said like so looked like a wizard he's like I'm all in on Philadelphia I'm not even worried about the loss and really you I don't it was the weirdest thing because I di- we didn't mention this much in the reaction part of it but I am fine like I was never freaking out after that loss it sucks and there's some gut wrench and look we're going to look like idiots cuz both of us both of us had said hey uh you know this is going to be a route or whatever and there's no chance because Atlanta going into this thing looked 
on paper look terrible. So and they're, and they're not. Let's let's not over. Atlanta's not a very good football team. Dan Quinn coached them up, no. but they're not good. Okay, it was a. It was going in on a Monday night on the opening, you know, game. Or who knows? Maybe they are. Maybe they are, though, James. Like, I don't know. You're right. That's a fair point. They might be better than we expected, but they're not world beaters, you know, at least in my opinion. No, uh, but if they end up 10 and 6, maybe that makes you feel a little better at the end of the year. If they end up 6 and 10, then yeah. But again, this kind of happens throughout week one in the NFL. And I think we touched that on, on on the preview podcast. But coming into Dallas this week, I feel great. And Vegas is making me feel great. I mean, five and a half, it started, it opened at three. Now it's at five and a half. Like, no Des, no anything else. You should feel good about that. I don't want to hear people like, hey, man, you got to stay humble. Stay humble on this stuff. What does that even mean? What does it mean, stay humble? If you think it's a good football team, be proud of that fact. Like, yeah, you might look stupid. It's okay. I'll I'll, I'll accept looking stupid and, and thinking that this team could, you know, kill anybody in the NFC East. But if they don't, then then it's just maybe it's not as good as I think it is. And I'm okay with that. Like, don't you feel the same way, James? Like, this team should kick the shit out of Dallas this week. Absolutely destroy this team. Yeah, well, I felt that way before the Dez injury. You take out their best offensive player. You know, Romo obviously will take quarterbacks out of the equation. Dez is their best player, period. So, yeah. I mean, that's a massive loss. You know, now, now you can... Stick Mac, you know, you don't have to worry about sticking Maxwell on him. You don't have to worry about Maxwell kind of coming off that Julio performance going up against Dez. Uh, you know, it kind of gives the secondary a chance to maybe settle in a little bit and get a little success. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you, man. I think they're right now a better football team than Dallas. I, I Look, it, it's, it's so hard to take anything away from this first game because we saw two completely different football teams. And, and it's not like they were – the best team in football in the second half, but they were a good football team in the second half. And, and they were so bad in the first half that you you just kind of – and I think we've seen it all week. I've noticed it producing at the radio station all week is that it, it's kind of an off week for Dallas. And I don't know if it's just the loss or if it's the Monday night game or if it's what it is, but it just there hasn't been that kind of juice for a Dallas week. And I think there are multiple factors why, but it, it just seems like there's just not that kind of – you know, excitement like there normally is for a Dallas game, especially yeah. a game, a must win game, really. And and it is. And I don't, I don't even care if it's uh, it could be the Patriots like it doesn't matter. I think it's still you can't come out. zero and two here. You just can't. And I'm glad that it's it is Dallas and not the Patriots or anybody else that could cause uh, major problems. But uh, yeah, I mean, like that. <laughs> I, I think if there was a. Uh, I, I think that's why a lot of Dallas fans are feeling confident because that, and they shouldn't either. Like it's just like, oh, they got to come in here and correct the turnovers and they'll be fine. That's uh, that's something I, I don't think you can really correct in a week, right? I mean, going up a completely different defense, a different offense, a different everything else. I think there's a little overconfidence with Dallas fans in general. But well, again, they, the, they real quick, they they should have lost that game. Okay, yeah, they, yeah, they no lost doubt. to the Giants, except for a Tony Romo drive where Dallas. New York's uh, defense just basically gave up. Said, hey, you want to win? Go for it. Cool. Go for it. Just watch. Lance Umbar, yeah, man. Go ahead, man. Run, run, buddy. Yeah, was, yeah. So, I mean, it was it was um, as embarrassing a defensive performance on a fight. Well, you know what? I guess last night, <laughs> Kansas City did a yeah, pretty bad job. That was pretty too. bad. But, you know, I, I mean, it, it was – Dallas lost that game. They won the game, but they should have lost that game. So I'm with you. I mean, they're – 
you know, if, if I were a cowboy fan, thank God I'm not. If I were a cowboy fan, I, I, I certainly would not be puffing my chest out after that one. Yeah, well, Randy uh, checking in in the chat room right now. He says, if the fans aren't humble, then the team will become uh, overconfident and lose. And I, I assume he's joking there. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. This humble thing, too, just in the idea is, isn't humble when you're doing great and you're winning, then you're supposed to say humble? I don't get the being humble after a loss. The, the Eagles <laughs> lost. Like, what, no. Where's the, where's the humble coming? We lost. It's if fine. I'm going to. If we win, I'm going to talk shit. If we lose, I'm going to talk shit. Like that's that is <laughs> that is essential. What you should be doing as a sports fan, like it it doesn't matter. And 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 speaking of talking shit, last night you brought it up uh, not only with our good friend Andy, but uh, on the other side of the ball there. And again, I don't say this to be a jerk, and I don't say this. I have nothing against Evan Mathis. I think he's one of the the best guys out there and played really well while he was here. Evan Mathis, whether it was rust or the system or whatever, looked horrendous last night. Horrendous. Like, and I'm not even talking about the Justin Houston helicopter getting, you know, absolutely dropped there. But again, I don't know. With this and Boykin and everything else, I don't. I don't really understand what the problem is. I don't. It, 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 and people are bringing up the the Marigos stuff where he played 36 snaps. You're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You got to be determining. Well, is Jenkins and Thurman worse off than Brandon Boykin uh, being there, or you know Jer uh, Jenkins, Thurman, and a fifth round pick? Is that and, worth and keeping Brandon Boykin around for a year? Can we also throw in the fact that Jenkins looked really good in the slot for what it's yeah, worth? Yeah, did. You know, as far as as far as that secondary goes, there were two guys who played really well, and it was Thurman and Jenkins. You know, yeah. And, yeah. And Jenkins looked really good in that thought. Thurman, Thurman, uh, you know, made some big plays, had a couple, couple lapses as well. But I thought Jenkins, when he was in that nickel spot, really did a nice job. Yeah, and I, I was getting going back and forth with uh, I can't even remember who it was. It's somebody from ninety-seven point three ESPN. I think it was Mike Gill and whoever he had on. And I love those guys, but you know, they're just those things. I think people focus on the wrong thing there. No one targets a single high safety. It is impossible to do. Like that's, I think that was the basis of a lot of the argument of why you wanted to keep Boykin around, who, by the way, probably isn't going to play again and not due to his ability this time. It looks like he's got a groin injury. So, you know, these things, we, we, can, we can turn and twist all these narratives here, but as far as Evan Mathis not being here, and yeah, maybe it, it being here and cohesive might change how Evan plays, but so far... I, I I don't know how you can get upset about those moves yet. You know, I, I really don't. Because if he's going to give you the same type of play that he does in Denver, or Boykin's not going to be able to go, or any of that other stuff, it seems like, uh, you know, we're just, we're, they're finding things just to find things. Maragos didn't do anything terrible uh, that I can remember throughout this entire game. And that's what you have to remember to compare to. Yeah, maybe, maybe Boykin and having Jenkins or Thurman back is a better situation, but then you're talking about targeting slot-wide receivers, and if teams are really going to talk, uh, go in about, hey, we're going to make sure to go with Leonard Hankerson or Cole Beasley or whatever, that's who we're going to target instead of Byron Maxwell, which, again, was the, <laughs> was the bigger problem. That was the bigger problem, uh, and whether that is scheme uh, and wrong technique or both at the same time, which I think it was, that's what you got to be focused on. How do we uh, eliminate the X plays? If people are targeting the slot guys, you've already won the battle, in my opinion. I don't. I don't know how you feel about that, Jibs. That's what I'm saying. Like, is is 
how how important really is a nickel slot in this system or any system really i think we are way too overhyped about that thing still yeah yes and no i'm going to agree with you that i think there that it's overhyped but i think it does deserve maybe a little bit more attention than you're kind of leading on to I mean, and Billy Davis says all the time that the nickel in this defense is really like a starting position, or at least close to it. That nickel's going to be on the field a fair amount. I guess that's why I don't agree with it, because I don't think it's a starting position. Right, go ahead. right. And either, either way, I'm, I, I agree. I, I think that that was kind of more of a of a uh, fluffing on Brandon Boykin at that time, who, you know, the whole Wise and Boykin. So he is a starter. I, I'm with you on that. But more the idea that it's an important position in the defense, and I do think that it you need to, to fill it with the best guy. And I do think that Boykin would be better in there than what we have. So I do understand that narrative. At the same time, I think we're getting a little carried away with it. I don't think it's it's the reason the secondary is struggling. I don't think it's a gigantic deal, but I'd rather have Boykin. And the math is saying, look, I don't think that you can fairly look at, you know, Boykin not playing on the Steelers or or math is struggling in, in Denver's offensive line and compare it to what they would have done here. They're different schemes, different systems, and, and different coaches utilizing those guys differently. So I, I don't necessarily agree with that part of it, but I do agree with the fact that I don't think that the problems we saw on the field Monday night were the result of either Boykin or more so Mathis, but uh, I, I don't think that was the reason that, that those problems showed up on, on tape and on the field. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying that like Gardner and, and uh, Barber are like, yeah, they're it's it's still hard to replace good guard play. Uh, and I'm and I'll just look at Mathis with that regard because I'm not sure that I mean Todd Herman's had a terrible game with the Colts. That's pretty similar as far as what you're doing. I mean, I, I'm, in, unless they've completely changed that, and I have a misunderstanding of what they're doing up well, there. But I think Herman's was kind of. I think we all knew Herman's was was on the back, and I don't yeah, think anyone but, had a. But I just think like guys like that. Bamani Jones and everybody else that constantly bring that up, where you know it's like oh, you, but it's culture or whatever. Like it's not. It, it it really has nothing to do with a lot of that. It was just that those guys are turning down in their play, you know. And I I, I don't know if that's the same way. I don't want to like completely rehash everything here, but you know, I I don't. I just don't. I'm I'm just seeing stuff that I understand now. Like, hey, maybe it's not worth it to keep it around for a fifth round pick or X amount of million dollars or whatever. If you can kind of tread water with Gardner with Barbray. Uh, but not, and here's the concern leading into this week, James, as we'll pivot to there now, is, but I am concerned in the long term, and everyone has a right to be, of why DeMarco Murray was only getting eight carries, and I and I understand why they went to the pass and why they did, a, did all of that stuff. More important to me, why they didn't give it to him on fourth and one, and I know that's your, I mean, James in the text thread, as soon as that happened, was like, gotta go for it here. Gotta go for it here. And and they didn't, and we all flipped out, and we were pissed. Like that, that to me is a more egregious than anything else that happened with the game planning or whatever. But uh, I, I don't know. Does do you need to see? And I know a lot of fans need to see it this week against Dallas. But I, I I do think they get back to the run a little bit because they've always done that against this football team. But do you need to see that uh, that come out? Do you need to see Demarco Murray have fifteen, twenty, twenty five carries this week? Uh, need is a strong word. I need them to win the game. Uh, I don't need that, but would I like to see it? Absolutely. I, I think it's the most effective way to move the offense. Uh, and, and like you said, I mean, you know, and, and we'll get into this more on Sunday on the Fanatic as well, but uh, that third and one call was my number one biggest problem in that game. And, and I know that it it 
probably shouldn't be because there is a, a significant argument to make that the field goal was the right call. But in my mind, it was just like, look, like you're not going to stop the Falcons if they need to go for that field goal. Yeah, you stop them when you're trying to get the ball back. They're running. They're playing conservative. That Falcons offense with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones was not getting stopped if they only needed a field goal to win the game. It wasn't happening. In my mind, you go for that first down, you keep moving, you take up the clock. If you kick the field goal later, you kick it. My rationale is not based on him missing the field goal. It's not hindsight. My rationale is based on whether he makes it or misses it. I think you had to go for it. And to your point, yeah, you want to see Murray or Matthews plunge for that yard, but at the same time, they had completed 12 straight passes at that point. They had, what was it, Bradford had two incompletions in the second half at that point, too? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Throw the ball if you have to. Do whatever you have to do to get that first down. But play action. They think you're going to run it. Just throw a little, you know, five-yarder to, to Ertz. Do whatever you got to do. A little wheel route to Sproles. Whatever you need to do. Do something to get that yard. And uh, I think they could have gotten it either running or or throwing the ball. And that's why I yep. don't like that that chip argument of, oh, we weren't getting enough push. Bullshit. All right? Throw the ball then. You, you complete 12 <laughs> yeah. straight passes. Okay? You needed one yard. Um, so, so that's where I say on that. But – Getting back to Dallas and this week, yes, I would love to see them run the ball. I would love to see them pound it down Dallas's throat. I think Dallas is susceptible to the run. I think we saw it on Sunday night. The Giants didn't really have a chance to really commit to any sort of game plan. Uh, it, it was kind of a weird ball control game where Dallas would hold the ball for a while, then the Giants would hold it for a little while, and there never seemed to be a real flow to the game. But Rashad Jennings, when given the opportunity, did move the ball relatively well on the ground. Uh, and the Giants' offensive line is, is not the best. So I, I do think there is a, a serious opportunity here to move the ball on the ground. And I, personally, I think I and most Eagles fans would like to see them run the ball. Yeah, I think there is a um, – I, I tell you what, I am a little worried, though, uh, only because like it, it is pretty similar-ish type of guys on that defensive line. I know it's not like – that. listen, Greg Hardy's not there – uh, you know, uh, Tyrone is is there who looked pretty pretty decent. Mister like, Moneybags. Mister Moneybags looked pretty decent, but again, it's against. I don't know how much you can <laughs> parallel that into a Giants offensive line, which also isn't great. And uh, yeah, Eric Flowers just looked like a complete disaster that whole game too. But um, I thought it was okay. I thought he I thought he looked better than expected when you heard all the this guy's going to be super raw coming in i thought he was okay but but clearly raw and clearly uh from a from a uh you know understanding the game standpoint seems a little bit behind but i thought he was okay i think that there's just problems along that line it's a young line weston richburg not a great center you know uh uh, Jeff Schwartz kind of on the other yeah. side of the hill, a good guard. I, they, they're just is it's a Marshall Newhouse shouldn't be playing right tackle for anyone in this league. It's just not a not a very good or cohesive offensive line. But my, my only point to that is, uh, I, you know, I don't know how much difference in talent there really is from Atlanta and Jonathan Babineau and yeah, you know, you know Beasley and all those other different guys. So I still think that there is a chance that it might struggle. And you might have to be ready for it, although I am fairly confident that it will look better than it did last week. And I don't know if that's just because it's more of like, well, it can't get can't get that bad again, right? <laughs> or it's no, let, you they'll get bad, no, you know, they'll yes, get better. I mean, it can't get that bad, right? I mean, well, maybe it could. I don't know. Maybe it could. Outside of Sproles, you're having like a yard of carry, if that less than a yard. Of, I mean, it could. You're absolutely right. It could, but um, I will be. I would be a lot more disappointed in Chip Kelly as a coach, which I already was last week. I thought he got outcoached. I thought they weren't ready to play. We discussed the third and one. I thought he had no friggin' balls 
I was very disappointed in Chip the coach in week one. Um, but if he doesn't come out and, and find a way from a schematic standpoint, having this week to prepare for Dallas, and, and let's be real, I think he was probably thinking about Dallas, even though he would never admit it, while they played that Falcons game or heading into that Falcons Maybe. game. Uh, at least a little bit. Uh, if he can't figure out a way to schematically move the ball on the ground, uh, I'm going to be worried from, yeah. from, that, from a coaching perspective. Yeah, I, I think that. Well, not even that, and that's that's what I. It's just circling back to that too. Is just well, I you know if they can't for whatever reason, that's why I don't want people to get upset if they have to throw it fifty two times again. Like do whatever it takes to win the football game. Right, agreed. No uh, but but the long term, so I, I I agree. Like spending sixty million dollars and having that as your result is bad. That's bad. But if you can still win football games. You know, then think about that more of the long term rather than the short term. And I've had that argument all week this week. Um, is is just I, I don't care what what they do. You have to win this football game. You cannot start out zero and two. You cannot do it. And especially, I mean, it's going to suck even worse if it is Dallas and they come in here and there's the you know Jason Garrett hasn't been beaten uh, at the Lynx since 2011. <laughs> like just erase those demons. That would make me feel. Great, but I still feel great about this uh, going into here. I just don't think that they, uh, you know, w with with everything that's happening, and I don't know this the the running back by committee thing, uh, like as we assumed, isn't isn't really working at least on the ground or not as effective as having a bell cow there. And I don't know what they plan on doing with Christine Michael, but that's probably the only thing. Oh, excuse me, as I got uh, some burps in here. That's probably the only thing that would scare me a little bit. Well, he's the most talented. I mean, you know, McFadden, I guess, is right. a talented guy too. But but Michael is, is significantly more talented than Randall. And at this point in his career, McFadden, uh, he was a second-round draft pick for a reason. He n never really, you know, obviously Seattle's staff didn't love him or they wouldn't have moved him. But, um, you know, he's a talented kid. If they can figure out the right way to use him, there, there's potential there for sure. Yeah, and uh, it, and to flip that, just with you know, I want the the defensive line to be dominant like we've like we've seen it, and they've usually held even with Demarco Murray there to about three point eight yards a carry against the run, and there is some some uh, you know of, of some truth to them being a little bit overrated, uh, but they're still good, and it's miles better than what they put together in Atlanta. So that's the other thing that kind of concerns me too. Is like, well, if he can't do that against Atlanta. Yeesh. Uh, the pass rush absolutely has to get there because we saw it against the awful, awful Giants who had no pass rush at all. And when they stalled, there was plenty of opportunity there to get at Romo. So that's, again, is going to be the key to this football game for me is the Eagles defensive line versus that vaunted Dallas, Dallas offensive line there. Uh, but, you know, I... I, I I don't know. I, how are you feeling about that? My confidence level is a little low considering what they were able to do. And I guess with Billy Davis as well as just trying to like, hey, let's dial it up here more times than than you're not. But maybe you don't want to do that uh, with, you know, with the cornerback situation as it is. But since Dennis Bryant isn't here, I'm OK with being overly aggressive this game as far as the blitzing and everything else goes. Do you feel the same way, James? Oh, 100 percent. I think you have to blitz the crap out of Romo. Uh, we saw it in the Falcons game. Uh, you know, they, they tried to rush with three and four in the first half, and it, it didn't work at all, which is alarming because last season this team was able to generate a pass rush even with four guys, three guys, 
Um, so that, that's a little nerve wracking. Obviously, we saw a few times Fletcher Cox bust through the hole and, and make a play on his own. He's going to do that. He's that good. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that matchup. We saw last year on Thanksgiving that this defensive line can handle this Dallas O-line. They, they dominated them in that Thanksgiving game. But then, you know, you come back a few weeks later and that O-line got the better of the D-line. So I think it's going to be a very interesting and, and important, crucial, really, matchup on Sunday. But I don't think that that D-line is going to be able to get pressure without blitzing. And I think that Romo's too good if you give him time. Uh, you know, our, the secondary has shown that it's not good enough to, to hold coverage for that long, or at least through one game. Obviously, we don't want to overreact too much. So, you know, with that in mind, the, the secondary's inability to hold that coverage, I just think if you don't rush, if you don't bring it on Romo and you give him time to sit back there, he's just going to cut you up. You know, it, it might take a little longer, but he's going to cut you up. Yeah, yeah. And I think on the uh, where the Eagles can win, again, is is in that Dallas secondary. I I mean, I'm not a bl- – well, in the, in the defense altogether, really. I mean, it's it's huge that they have Sean Lee in there, uh, and he's actually healthy and looking good, but – uh, you know, <laughs> who knows how long that's going to last. And, and, and no, but you're right. They're not that talented. Rod Marinelli coaches his guys up more than maybe any other coach in the league, any other position coach in the league. That guy gets his guys to play for him and to play at a higher level than their talent says they should. He coaches up their technique. Uh, he's an outstanding. He's probably the most important person on that staff, for sure, I would say. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. So I think that's where... You're going to see some of those guys kind of, kind of tend to win, and you notice that when there. I mean, there was a lot of people that were breaking down the all twenty-two because we're that we're everybody's trying to figure out. Well, did Bradford miss guys or what uh, type of narrative? But yeah, the, the one thing I peeked at, and and it's a fair criticism. Nelson Aguilar was definitely beating one-on-one uh, a lot of the time last week against Atlanta, and I I think that you're going to see. Hopefully, you're going to see that get more integrated in there, and I just think. Like everything else, there's just going to be wide-open dudes in this Dallas secondary. I just don't think they have enough talent. With Skandrick gone, and I know that was that was probably their best corner, uh, hands down, Not for probably, sure. Not definitely, yeah, 100% their best, significantly. And best. Even, even with him in there, <laughs> I'd probably still say the same thing because that's – there's there, again it, being the best on on the squad doesn't mean you're great, and I still don't think Skandrick was was great by any means. Um, you know, he was average. He did he did what he needed to do. He did he did. He's like Nolan Carroll. That's like saying Nolan Carroll's like the best, you know, the best C, CB on the squad. And, and hey, he might be, but it doesn't mean that he's like overly talented or anything. Um, but I think that's where they win with Jordan Matthews, with Al- Aguilar, with Sproles, with all that stuff. I'm not. Af- I wouldn't be afraid to pass. Keep passing the ball, man. You have a guy to do it, and that's the other thing that I that also has dri- driven me crazy this week. We've bitched so many times about not having a quarterback that needs to throw 52 times sometimes to go win a football game. Well, we have. A- there's a guy that does that now. Like, be happy about that. Kinda. You know, who cares? Again, who cares how you win this football game? You have to exploit whatever kind of weakness that they're going up is, you know, to to win the football game. That's it. I don't I don't care where it is. It's probably hopefully it's in both sets in the run in the past. But I I, I think you again you beat Dallas through the air. And if uh, you know Sam Bradford plays like uh, the second half like both halves, I think this is going to be again a two touchdown type of game. And I'm feeling that confident about it because it's at home. It's an opponent that they've seen millions of times. There hasn't been any major changes there. I think there's more familiarity. Um, 
Uh, and maybe Dallas, hopefully Dallas is smelling themselves a little bit. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like this, this has the makings to possibly also be a route. And I know people are going to hate it when I say that, but it's the truth. Like, there's, there's nothing about this Dallas team that scares me. And it shouldn't scare you either. It's just about the execution of, uh, uh, of the Eagles and the personnel and everything else and making sure that they can get into it. Do you, I mean, like, I know we've said that a couple of times already, James, but is, uh, do you have different uh, feelings on how this game is going to work out and end here? I don't. I'm still working myself up to it, but uh, I, I will say that I think the Eagles, I think it's important that the Eagles are the desperate team here. You know, the fact that yeah. the Giants were able to pull, or excuse me, the Cowboys were able to pull that win out over the Giants, uh, I think was big. I think that the Eagles need this game more. I think that you see it in, in football and in the NFL more than in any other sport uh, where, and, and this isn't that case, obviously. We believe the Eagles are more talented than Dallas, but at least you would say they're at least close to similar levels or in the same general talent range. But football more than any other sport, uh, you know, being desperate, wanting it can trump talent more than any other sport. Uh, so, so I think that that's going to be extremely important. I think this team knows that they have to win this football game. And you, you said the magic word. It's execution. They didn't execute in that first half. They didn't execute. And football is a game of execution. It's, it's a game where all 11 guys on that field have to be working together, have to be executing together. Everyone relies on everyone else. And if there's one failure it's, it's going to screw the whole thing up and that's what we saw a lot of with the penalties with the missed assignments and the drops and all that on monday night uh one thing i did want to mention there just when you brought him up with Aguilar, um i don't be scared about Aguilar. Aguilar was covered by desmond trufant the majority of that game trufant yep. is i mean he's one of the next great corners in the league you know i think in two three years you know we're going to be talking about him as the you know he's Revis, I feel like it's – I hate when people even mention Revis's name with other cornerbacks. I don't think we've ever seen a guy like that before, but, you know, since Dion at least. Um, but I think that uh, I think that he's going to be in that group of the Richard Shermans and the whoever, you know, in three to four years, the best cornerbacks in football are. Vontae Davis will be there. Uh, I think Trufant's going to be one of those guys. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's what kind of made me feel better about the whole thing was like, well – he was still getting open. Not every play, obviously. They, they, I think they did a good job of, of again, controlling their game plan. Atlanta was just, again, Atlanta was a better team, but they, there were still guys that uh, were winning their battles, and it just, you know, the pass rush got there or whatever, or sometimes, maybe three or four times Bradford didn't see him, and that's really the only thing I saw on tape. So even if it's just slightly better than it was last week, uh, I I still feel like this is this can be a, a a boat race here, and then, you know, I I don't know. I, I we'll get to the p- picks. Actually, let's go there now. Uh, we'll uh, we'll give our final Eagles predictions. But right now, it's time for the NFL picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Well, it wasn't uh, it wasn't that exciting <laughs> of of the record. Even if you heard us on the fanatic, I think we got torched there uh, because uh, I certainly did. Yeah, I did Dallas really. Dallas didn't cover the Rams lost, and I think the only one we ended up I, we, winning. What's well, that, buddy? 
I got the Giants one, I believe, and you won the Denver one. Yeah, the Denver uh, one. Each had was... one win. Uh, uh, the great Kyle Scott was uh, came away with uh, an incredible two wins. Yeah, yeah, he was two, two for three. And then on the pod, I think the only one I, – I did come away with the Packers minus seven. Thank God that they didn't you know tie that one up uh, in overtime. But, uh, James, where are we heading to first on your board, sir? All right, we're heading up to Buffalo. Hey, now. Hey, Rex Ryan, we've heard that the, the sound bites. I feel like I've seen more Rex Ryan on my TV this week than Chip Kelly, which is such a, a rare thing with any NFL coach. Uh, but a lot of Rex, you know, talking about Garden Gronk and, you know, they're going to throw the whole team at him and all that stuff. But uh, I, I'm going to tell you what, man. Uh, the Bills are, are uh, a plus one home dog. There's something going on up in Buffalo with that home field advantage. You're hearing stories about it. You could see it on the screen. It felt like the place was shaking. I think this Bills fan base is ready for something, and I don't think this team's ready to give it what they want yet, but I think that defense is is maybe the best in the league. Honestly, I think we might be seeing the changeover from that Seattle defense as the best to either these guys or the Rams, two great up-and-coming defenses. I think – the Bills are going to be able to keep it tight with New England, and I think they win it outright. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the Bills are going to beat the Patriots in week two. That's my call. I don't, I'll don't. i take the plus one. doesn't even matter. They're winning. Ring the bell. I'll, I'll, I'll take them both. I'll take, uh, I'll take the Patriots outright, and I'll take them uh, with the two and a half there, my friend. So we'll definitely do battle there. We're going to – You get one. You get one point. So minus one. Oh, is it minus one? I have, I'm, I'm showing two and a half, so I apologize. Minus one and a half, and then it, and then it dropped to one. So oh, wow, already, just that fast. Below a little bit. Well, if, I, if I'm off here, we're going to stay. We're going to travel on down uh, just a little southerly, uh, and, and it says New York on my sheet, but Don't once again. I like southerly. That's a, that's a nice uh, use of a new word. <laughs> I just made it up. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, but not New York. So, actually, we're going to take it out of state because it's in the Meadowlands. It is in that cesspool of New Jersey. I see, I, I, and this is screaming again to me, that the Giants are a two, uh, a minus two uh, they're a two-point favorite at home against the Falcons. I got to take the Falcons and the points plus two here. I mean, I, I am not I'm not sold on. I get that Matt Ryan, when you take him out of the dome, is almost garbage. But if that team even remotely shows up for a half like we saw on Monday night, uh, the Giants don't have a chance in this game. You can sell me on, on DRC and everybody else. I'm not buying it. I'm going to take uh, the Atlanta Falcons plus two james Elton. oh jesus oh man I, i'm so psyched uh, uh tutoring the bells already is always fun i like the giants in this one I, I think the falcons coming off the short week emotional win over a, a better football team or are supposed to be better football team a big win for them in the dome they come to new york on a short week against a giants team reeling off that loss uh giants at home desperate know they need the win coming off that awful way to lose too i think the giants ratchet it back up here i think they win by three or more i think it's a close game but i'm gonna take the giants and i think they win by three uh james uh where are we heading to next my friend for your final pick that is a good question john we're gonna i'm gonna get a little weird with this one I here, like Johnny, it. especially because the line is saying the opposite i'm gonna i'm gonna make the mistake i made last week and go against vegas and i am going to take those poop Cleveland Browns at home <laughs> against the Titans. Uh, they start. Listen to this. This is like 
literally the opposite of what you're supposed to do when you're picking games. But <laughs> the Browns start off as a three and a half point favorite. The line has migrated to a one point Tennessee favorite. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. So this is one of those things where, you, where the line says Tennessee is going to smoke the Browns. I don't know why. I just I feel like Tennessee, that monster win. I think Ken Wisenon is a is a shitty coach. Uh, I don't think he's going to have those guys ready to kind of shake off that win and come back. I think Mike Pettin, on the other end, is a good coach. Uh, I don't think he's got a lot of talent to work with. I think he gets the most out of his talent. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping uh, – God, I don't even know. If, I'm hoping Josh McNown plays for, to make this a better pick. How <laughs> awful disgusting is that? But um, I, I just think that at home, coming off that embarrassing loss to the Jets, I think Pettin gets his guys ready to play. I think the Titans, a younger team – uh, uh, kind of still smelling themselves after that win. I, I think it's a tight game that the uh, the Browns pull out by a couple at the end. Uh, I I would I, I don't know I, that is that is I'm staying away from that game altogether. So I can't even I don't even have the confidence to ring the bell on you because I think can go I can go either way. And sticking with that theme of kind of weird, and this is just a, I, this is just how I feel. It's it's a home dog, which automatically my lights are already flashing. I know it's not a good football team. But there's oh also, God, I, I think there's also a lot of week one hypeness going on. And I'm going to that cesspool in Washington. And I'm taking Washington, who's, the, who's got three and a half points over the Rams. And I'll take Washington outright as they are going to somehow beat the St. Louis Rams. All the Foles fans are going to feel so awful that Kirk Cousins did it again and beat Jeff Fisher in the St. Louis Rams. All the Foles hate and love it. Uh, I'm with you. I don't even have the balls to to ring the bell there. If I had to bet, I would bet the Rams win that game. But uh, I'm with you, man. Coming off that big win off Seattle against Seattle, you know, huge win. We've seen Foles. You know, we know Nick Foles, and I think I think that Washington—they're they're an awful team. But I think the one thing we learned from Week One is that that front seven is going to be a little bit better uh, than I think people expected. They, they can get to the quarterback. They've got some talent up front. Yeah, they just <laughs> unfortunately they don't have it behind them. Right, exactly. No, just, uh, clearly. Um, but you know that that's going to make Nick Foles take advantage of. Him. We all know uh, Nick can't do that, right? Yeah, well, hopefully. hopefully <laughs> no, I, I don't. don't know I, I think St. Louis wins, but I, but I get the call. I think it's a I think it's a, a nice ballsy call. I like it. Yeah, even even so, the outright probably might not happen. But I just it might be another squeaker, and I think that uh, Washington is a winner by the point spread uh, this week. Well, uh, you know we're we're going to wrap things up here. So uh, of course, the most important prediction, uh, James, what is happening? When the Dallas Cowboys come into town on Sunday late afternoon. John, my butt is kind of tight making this pick after last week with the, the confidence and the, uh, you know, how good I felt about them going into Atlanta. I'm not going to lie about it. I thought they'd go in and, and beat the piss out of that Falcons <laughs> team, and, and they just didn't. We saw great things in the second half. They didn't. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back, and I'm going to stick with the confidence. Uh, I just think they're – a better football team in Dallas, especially, especially without Des Bryant, who I think they'll be okay with Williams and with Beasley and Dunbar. I think they'll be able to move the ball and Witten, obviously, but I think it's such a dynamic part of their offense that's taken out. And, and obviously after losing Murray uh, last, you know, in the off season, I think that that's two big time dynamic pieces of what made that offense great last year that they're missing. Uh, I think the Eagles defense should be able to hang. you got to Hope, assume, pray that Byron Maxwell can hang with a, a Terrence Williams or a Cole Beasley or a, uh, you know, one one of those guys. So um, 
I feel confident. I'm, I'm a little, still a little stung from last week and, and just how disappointed I was in Chip and his ability to get the guys ready to play. But uh, must win. I, I think they're the more desperate team. Uh, I'm a little closer than, than, uh, than last week's call, but I think they went at 31-23 to 23, uh, with Dallas having a chance uh, to kind of drive down the field and try and tie the game at the end. And, uh, and the Eagles either come up with a big stop or force a turnover to, uh, to put the game to rest. But, but a game that you feel like you're going to win the whole time that gets a little tighter at the end, but I, I think the Eagles take it by eight. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I think it could be a two-touchdown game, uh, but it's again, it's it's the Cowboys, it's a division rival, um, and I, I think it'll be a little tighter than that, and I'm right with you. I'll say it's a touchdown game. I still think that the, you know, I, I whatever kind of cleanup crew that they have for, I don't know, whatever, if Dallas just cleans up the turnovers, I, I feel very confident that this Eagles defense, again, for probably the third year in a row, will be very opportunistic. And maybe even Malcolm Jenkins gets some stick him on his gloves, hangs on to one of those things. I think the turnovers are too much to kind of handle here. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 33 28, somewhere in that range. I like, I like him in that range uh, for sure. But I, 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 I don't know. I, I, maybe it's not as high scoring. Maybe it's not. But I feel great about Bradford moving forward. Not so much the offensive line. Still worried about a bunch of other things. This team is not perfect. It has never been perfect. I don't think anybody, any of us would have said so. And to make it feel like we have to be humble because we <laughs> they haven't won anything yet or they don't have a Super Bowl title, I think that's that's weird because it's been 55 years that you have to have some form of like, hey, this is good or this is bad. you got to go one way or the other uh, when it comes down to this thing. But I, I really do think that you have to remember, and I've said this a thousand times, that this team could be 3-2 and two or 2-3 two and three after the first five games, and then eventually... You actually called that as your official prediction. Didn't you say 3-2 and two after five games? Yeah, I yeah, I did. And I, and I think it, it, it's going to be like that early, and you're going to just see this team start to gel and get better and get better and get better, and I'd rather have that now than later. Uh, ready for, you know, if they end up being 10 and six makes the playoffs, then there's the hot streak and you hope that you get in because that's how, I mean, that's how it happens for a ton of teams. Uh, it's not necessarily the getting the buyer two Super Bowls that way or anybody else. Yeah. I mean, look, and, and all the different cherry picking narrative, like, well, if you start own one, the chances are that, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about any of that stuff, but the Eagles definitely have to, you can't start out. Oh, and two, you cannot, yeah. you have to be no, one and one. Point, here. But real quick, let's, let's not forget. Like you just said, starting at oh, and two, whatever it is the Patriots were two and three last year after getting destroyed on money. Embarrassingly. It's it, just, just gutted on yeah. Monday Night Football in Kansas City against Andy Reid. I think they lost like 41 to 14 or something like that. Just totally annihilated. Uh, and I think uh, things worked out all right for them. So you, you, you're right, John. Like it's You can't overreact too much early in the season. It's really how you're playing in December and January. Uh, and obviously, it's an obvious statement, but that's where it matters. You, you want to be that hot team heading in. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, you know, all that. It was so funny, and you're starting to see it this year, too. And maybe there's some truth to it. I mean, obviously that... You know, Peyton Manning doesn't look like the same Peyton Manning, but they still somehow pulled that off. They still look sloppy and pulled it off. Tom Brady last year, it's like, is this the end for Tom Brady? Literally, as that happened, all as that was going, is this the end for Tom Brady? And then they ended up winning the freaking Super Bowl. Like it's That's what I'm saying. Like, you just got to rein some of that stuff in, understand that you're going to be disappointed. Look, if they lose this game, it's ultimate disappointment. Now we're talking about going off the, the Schoolgirl, into the Schoolgirl, and all that stuff. I get it. So they have to win this football game. 
but I, I, I feel confident that they will. I don't think I need to be humble or anything. I don't control what happens on the field. It's just, it's just what we see. It's not because it's Dallas. If they were clearly a better football team, I'd be saying, I'm not sure about this, this one, guys. But, you know, it, it, it's not that case. It's at home. I'm feeling great. Dallas sucks. Fuck Dallas. Catch us on 97.5 The Fanatic from 8 to 10 a.m. on Sunday. We'll have the replay there as well because it's a, a little later game if you didn't catch it right on. But be sure to tune in as we got all sorts of fun things planned for myself, John Barchard. For Mr. James Zelter, we thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Dallas sucks! Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.